Trinity Sunday Prayer Psalm 8 When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them, yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Reading the Word First reading, Proverbs chapter 8. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, when he had not yet made earth and fields, or the world's first bits of soil, when he established the heavens, I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight. Rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the human race. Second reading, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Gospel, John chapter 16 Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, 
and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Hearing the word. Salfivic cooperation. The celebration of arguably the greatest mystery of the Christian faith, the Holy Trinity, marks the return to the Sundays of ordinary time. The scriptural readings for this feast shed some light on the otherwise incomprehensible mystery of one God in three persons by describing how each of the divine persons acts for the salvation of humankind. The first reading contains a speech of late wisdom, the most significant character in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9, who describes the creative work of the first person of the Holy Trinity, God. Late wisdom plays a central role in the process of creation. In the biblical writings, representing an idea on an abstract concept as a human figure is known as personification. In our reading, let wisdom represents God's design for an orderly and harmonious creation. She is a personified divine blueprint for life, an expression of God's desire to bring the cosmos into existence and for creating life. God gives birth to creation through late wisdom who represents God's life-giving work. The author of Proverbs outlines different stages of creation. Before anything else, wisdom herself was created. This means that creation did not happen by chance, but according to God's premeditated and purposeful design personified as Lady Wisdom. Then God brought the world into existence through wisdom, acting as a master worker. Finally, the human race was brought to life, inhabiting the world. The author emphasizes that wisdom rejoiced before God and took delight in the human race. This rejoicing of wisdom highlights the goodness and splendor of God. Inherent in God's design, creation is good and delightful because it is an expression of God himself. Genesis chapter 1 The work of the first person of the Holy Trinity was to share his own life with creation, life that is valuable and delightful. Like a mother, God brought forth life out of himself through wisdom, also a part of himself, being a reflection and an expression of God himself.
creation and life are the greatest gifts imaginable. The second reading focuses on the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ. Tragically, God's harmonious and delightful creation was disrupted by the prideful disobedience of humankind. The sin of humankind ruined the harmony of creation, Genesis chapter 3, and disrupted the good relationship between God and his creatures. The disruption is strikingly revealed in the image of Adam hiding as he hears God's steps in the garden because he was afraid. Following the first sin, fear and guilt become a part of life with decay and death, its inevitable end. In this situation of fallen and disrupted creation, God's Son's work begins. In his magnificent letter to the Romans, Paul describes Christ's mission in the fallen world using the concept of justification. For Paul, justification is about making humanity righteous again through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. In Paul's understanding, Righteousness means a good and right relationship with God, which was made impossible by sin. Christ's work is to make that good relationship possible again. His work was to reverse the disastrous effects of human sin and to reconcile humanity to God, which he accomplished on the cross. With the harmony restored, the people can return to the state of peace with God, for which they had originally been created. Christ's restoration of the peace and harmony with God has yet another profound effect. It reverses the ultimate and most disastrous effect of sin, death itself. Paul states that, since Christ restored peace, believers can look forward to the bringing of God's glory, that is God's own eternal life, unaffected by death and suffering. While still subject to mortality and the effects of sin, believers nevertheless have the prospect of returning to the state and form of life which God originally created. Living with this hope in a fallen world and patiently enduring adversity, believers reach maturity in faith. Their future is already sealed and decided thanks to the salvific work of the second person of the Holy Trinity who came into the fallen world to restore the lost harmony between God and the people and to defeat death. The Gospel reading focuses on the work of the third person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Jesus' words reported here were delivered during the Last Supper with his disciples. Knowing that the disciples are deeply and certain 
and overwhelmed by the prospect of his departure, Jesus offers them a series of reassurances and instructions for the future. Among others, Jesus speaks extensively about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's work among and in them. Jesus reveals that the Holy Spirit will continue to instruct and guide them, as he, Jesus himself, has done before. They will not be left alone. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus will continue to speak to them and instruct them so that they will reach ever fuller understanding of his message and teaching they will be led to the full truth. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. In the Gospel of John, to glorify means to manifest someone's own in the Gospel of John, to glorify means to manifest someone's true self and identity. The Holy Spirit, working in and through the disciples, will continue to manifest Jesus to the world through the disciples' exemplary life of love and commitment to Jesus' teaching. The Holy Spirit's work will be therefore the continuation of Jesus' salvific work in the fallen world until it is brought to completion at the end of times. Today's readings show that the three persons of the Holy Trinity work together for the salvation of the mankind. This is a salvific cooperation aimed at restoring creation and humanity to its original state a state of delightful harmony and order. Since this order was disrupted, God's Son entered fallen creation with the purpose of restoring the lost harmony between God and his people and to defeat chaos and death. He acted as a savior and restorer of the fallen world. This salvific project is being brought to a completion through the Holy Spirit. The, the third person of the Trinity guides the Christian community, working among the disciples as they journey through life, following Jesus' teaching and example. All three persons of the Trinity, therefore, though distinct and different, work together towards the same goal, salvation of the humankind and the restoration of the created world to the delightful state of harmony that reflects God's wisdom. Pondering the mystery of the salvific cooperation of the Holy Trinity, one can only exclaim with the psalmist, What are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Listening to the Word of God the mystery of the Holy Trinity presents a challenge for understanding and puzzles many Christians. However, this mystery was never meant to be understood and explained in clear logical and human terms, which is impossible. Rather, the scriptures present us with the harmonious work of the persons of the Holy Trinity as an example to contemplate 
and to follow. God created the world intending that all his creatures live in harmony and peace. The unhealthy ambition and pride of humankind distorted this divine harmony with numerous and far-ranging negative effects. Death and conflict are the evidence of this disruption. However, this fallen state of creation is temporary rather than permanent. It is reversible and it lies within our human power to take steps toward this reversal. It is true that we constantly face chaos and disruptions in our lives. Unhealthy ambition and selfishness block us on daily basis. However, at the same time, we are God's children, aware of God's design and purpose of our world and for creation. We too have wisdom. We too can act as creators of harmony and order around us. In our communities and groups, in our families and schools, we can be the agents of peace and harmony. It is within our power to reverse the chaos and disorder in a measure that the situation allows. Moreover, humankind now has the power to affect the natural world. For far too long we have ignored this power and used it recklessly. The ensuring environmental crisis is the evidence of our power and its misuse. As God's children, we are also responsible for the well-being and harmony of the natural world. It begins with our refusal to pollute and destroy the environment, even on the smallest scale. By being agents of harmony and order, we act like our God the Creator. Like God the Son, we can also act as saviors. This is for chaos, sin and the death by non-violent means of love and sacrifice. We have the same means available to us. By a quiet service and ordinary acts of kindness that make other people experience a better life, we do act as saviors who make life abound and increase in the face of chaos and death. We too can defeat death that creeps into the world in different, sometimes very small ways. It is enough to help someone in solving a problem to introduce a ray of life into that person's life. We too can be saviors. The Holy Spirit is that power and the energy we feel whenever goodness stays in our souls and hearts. It is that voice of conscience that whispers to us about right and wrong. Sometimes it is a feeling of guilt or remorse for the harm done or the goodness not shown. Other times, it is the inspiration and desire for extending a helping hand and doing 
something beyond what duty requires. Even if only to bring a smile to someone's face. This is the work of the Spirit in us, who continues the work of Jesus and leads us to the full truth that life is all about loving service to the human family. Yes, the Holy Trinity is a mystery beyond understanding. However, aspects of this mystery become comprehensible when the Trinity's actions and works become manifest through Christian lives. A boat does not go forward if each one is rowing his own way. Action Self-examination In what measure does my life and behavior reflect the harmony and order that God set in creation? When was the last time that I did something that could be called self-sacrificing for the sake of bringing another person to a fuller and better life? What was it? Response to God My very extent is the reflection and outcome of God's wisdom. God delights in me. I will thank God daily for the creation that surrounds me and for my being a part of it. Response to your world I will identify one way in which I can increase harmony and order in the environment where I study, work, or live. In our group, we will discuss the distinctive work of each person of the Holy Trinity and come up with three concrete ways of imitating this work in our lives. O Holy Trinity, I bow before the infinite mystery that you are. Humbly I acknowledge my smallness and thank you for all you have done for me, bringing, beginning with bringing me to life and ending with giving me hope for eternal life. Teach me to live always in your presence and to imitate your salvific work through my own deeds. Amen. <laughs> 